about the future, what's going to happen tomorrow or next year or in five years' time. And then there's the worry about frightening situations in life that we all feel and deal with. And then there's worry about adversaries. Not having enough, the future, frightening situation, and adversaries. And with each of these, the psalm offers us truths that we can take hold of to kind of pray so that we can keep hold of our contentment in Jesus and keep pointing our hearts back to our loving Heavenly Father as our shepherd. So worry about not having enough. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. How many of us at some point this week will worry that we don't have enough to make it through the week, whether that's maybe money, time, or patience, grace, wisdom, love? In many ways, I could have just preached the entire thing this evening on just this opening line, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Or the old version that some of us might know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I love that both of those um, translations illuminate something about this truth. You know, I, I might lack, I might not have enough and be afraid of how I'm going to provide, or I might be wanting a bit too much. I might have enough, but actually the challenge for me is I, I need to stop wanting and be content with what I've had. Both the fear of not having enough and, and the lust kind of for more are both those challenges to contentment. Uh, Near where I grew up is a a Christian children's home. It goes by the name of Mill Grove. Uh, And for many years, our church used to send them a donation at Christmas. And uh, they lived entirely from donations. But they didn't ask or advertise for donations or for gifts. They just prayed and then waited. And the stories of God providing for them when they thought they weren't going to have enough were amazing. Every single year, we would hear of stories of, um, you know, they they were running out of money, and then a check arrived in the post for exactly the amount that a bill was going to cost. Or they didn't know if they were going to have enough food to kind of last them through maybe the the Christmas period, and all of a sudden, the the local butcher turns up with food for them. Incredible stories of God's provision when they thought that they weren't going to have enough. The Lord was their shepherd. They lacked nothing. But then there's also this challenge of being content with what we've got. Um, one of the books I've drawn on when uh, preparing for tonight is um, by a guy called W. Philip Keller, and it's called um, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Has anyone read it? Anyone come across it? A couple of us. Um, amazing book. I would really recommend going out and having a read. And he kind of basically writes uh, his take on Psalm 23 as someone who spent their life looking after sheep as a shepherd and a kind of sheep farmer. And he talks about one particular sheep that he had nicknamed uh, Mrs. Gadabout. She was one of the best sheep that he had. She was very alert, had a fine coat of wool, uh, always fit and healthy and gave birth to, to healthy lambs. But she was always trying to find greener pastures. She was a fence sitter, as he would say, always wanting the best of both worlds. She would sort of hover along the fence, and when she could find a gap or an opening, she would then nip through and try and go off in search of greener pastures. Surely there's got to be greener pasture out there somewhere. But actually, the, greener, the greenest pasture was in the field which she just left, and often the, the, the farmer would go out and find her, kind of grazing on brown, dirty grass somewhere, or getting perilously close to the sea where the farm was, or a cliff edge. And gradually, over time, what was worse is that she began to lead other sheep astray. So she began to lead her lambs astray. They would pick up the same habits and they would always be along the fence and you know, then try and escape. And then other, flock, other sheep from the flock used to try and do the same thing. And 
he eventually got to the, the point where he writes, after putting up with her perverseness for a summer, I finally came to the conclusion that to save the rest of the flock from becoming unsettled, she would have to go. I could not allow one obstinate, discontented you to ruin the whole ranch operation. It was a difficult decision to make, for I loved her in the same way I loved the rest. Her strength and beauty and alertness were a delight to the eye. But one morning, I took the killing knife in hand and butchered her. Her career of fence crawling was cut short. It was the only solution to the dilemma. She was a sheep who, in spite of all that I had done to give her the very best care, still wanted something else. She was not like the one who said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I just remember that being, being so struck as I read that. You know, I was kind of thinking, oh, he's going to sell her. You know, he'll take her to market. And that, won't that be nice? And I took the killing knife and butchered her. It was like, whoa. Uh, but there's, there's something of the challenge of that, of like, gosh, you know, how, you know, how much do I find myself being drawn to the edge and thinking, oh, I wonder if there's greener pasture. I wonder if I'll find contentment in, in maybe a new gadget or maybe in going out uh, with some friends to do this or maybe in an experience. Maybe if I travel to the other side of the world, I'll, I'll find contentment in a, in a landscape or a beautiful place or, or in abseiling or kite flying or, or whatever it is. I see the temptation in my own heart, and I love that word, uh, the, the, the lyrics at the end of the, um, one of the verses of the song, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, where it says, take my heart, Lord, take and seal it, uh, take it for thy courts above, you know, chain it as a fetter to your grace. Oh, to, grace how, oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Take, may, thy, may thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. And so often I find myself drawn to those things. Whether we're worrying because we're afraid we won't have enough or whether we're wrestling with the temptation that we want more, the psalmist reminds us that God is our shepherd. He will provide what we need. And that's the reminder that we pray with. Paul wrote to the Philippian Christians that he'd learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul knew what the psalmist was getting at. And it's not just when we're in material need, is it? When we're worried that we won't have enough energy or, or drive or motivation to get through the week, when we feel desperately in need of a rest in the pressures of life. The good shepherd's able to provide, he's able to help us lie down in green pastures, lead us besides quiet waters. He's wanting to lead us to places of rest, to Sabbath days where we, we can actually stop. But again, it's such a challenge, isn't it? A couple of weeks ago, I was leading the morning session for uh, one of our discipleship year open days. Um, and uh, I found myself being drawn back as I was talking about uh, developing Christ-like character and trying to walk in step with the Spirit, uh, drawn back to uh, some words around distraction um, and about how tech companies and social media companies almost design things to try and distract us and grab our attention and take our attention away from whatever we were doing. Um, and at New Wine a couple of years ago, uh, there was this amazing quote from Dallas Willard, the American theologian that I, I shared at that uh, discipleship year session. He says, if the churches came to understand that the greater threat to faith today is not hedonism, sort of going out and pursuing pleasure, it's not hedonism but distraction, perhaps they might begin to appeal to a frazzled generation. He says the greatest threat to faith today is distraction. 
I sometimes think that the Lord offers us moments to rest and recuperate. You know, the psalmist writes elsewhere, he marks out our resting places. But are we so distracted by our phones and our to-do lists that we, we actually are able to lie down? It's like, yeah, Lord, I'll lie down in a second. Kind of, you know, are we able to, to enter into the rest that he wants to provide for us? Um, in his book, Living Prayer, uh, the, um, the Russian Orthodox Archbishop, Anthony Bloom, uh, wrote a story of a, uh, retold a story of a French peasant who had found contentment. He says one day the, the local priest, um, in fact a, a French saint, uh, the curé d'Ars of the 18th century, he asked an old peasant what he was doing sitting for hours in the church, seemingly not even praying. The peasant replied, I look at him and he looks at me and we are happy together. And I just love the contentment that there is in that. Not being distracted, but able to stop to lie down in the green pastures, to sit by the quiet waters, and to allow the Lord to refresh our soul. Will we receive the gift of contentment amidst all the distractions of life? Will we lay down our phones, our computers, our to-do lists, whatever it is? Um, and will we enter into the rest that God wants to give? Um, a final quote earlier this week um, that I saw, I recently heard a pastor say that he never takes a day off because the devil doesn't. I told him he might want to find a better role model. And I just think that's so, that's so great, isn't it, when we get caught up in the activity of life. Actually, God was the one that invented Sabbath. God's the one that wants to lead us beside green pastures and quiet waters. So what about when we're worried about the future? He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Uh, hands up here who's seen Kung Fu Panda, the film. Is anyone going to own up to this? Oh, wow, yeah, we are. Fantastic, a few of us. Um, Kung Fu Panda, <laughs> Tim's looking around judging you all. Don't worry about it, I think you're great. Um, <laughs> Kung Fu Panda is a Disney story that follows a chubby panda's unlikely rise to become a Kung Fu martial arts hero. Um, and along the way, it's getting, it's getting to a point, just bear with me. Along the way, he learns from a wise tortoise, a, a, an ancient <laughs> proverb. You've got, you've got to have to see it now, otherwise you'll just think I'm totally loopy. Anyway, he hears this proverb in which is some really powerful wisdom for the sermon point that I'm trying to make. He says, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. There might be times when we can acknowledge that we, <laughs> I, should, I should have just let that, Tim's despairing up here. There <laughs> can we be content with the present? Can we receive it as a gift from the Lord? Because there are times when we might be able to acknowledge that we've got enough, that we're content, that the Lord's our shepherd, we're not lacking, we're not wanting, but can we then get over the fear of tomorrow, of the future, what's gonna happen? We can start running ahead in our minds to the what ifs of, of the future. And I think what the psalmist was getting at here was, you know, what if I take the wrong path? What if I mess up? What if I make a wrong decision? What if I struggle to live the holy life that I know God's calling me to? What if somehow I end up going down the wrong path? What then? And I think the key thing for this is in the second part of this verse when he says, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. When we become Christians, when we turn to Jesus for forgiveness and for life, we take on his name, don't we? we become Christians, which means little Christs. And to a degree, we take on his reputation. What we do can bring God's name into honor and glory, or it can bring it into disrepute. People's view of God can be affected by our actions. 
But that also means that God has a, ba- a big vested interest in how we live our lives and in helping us live lives of holiness that he calls us to in order to see that people will, will, people will see his agenda and how good that is for humanity. Living according to the commandments of life, is, according to the commandments of the Bible, is the way that humanity was created to live and will bring blessing to us and to those around us. So God's desire is to help lead us into those right paths. He has an incredible commitment to us, which to those of us who are desperate to live the way God wants us to live is really comforting, isn't it? Because it means that God's number one priority is wanting to help us to live lives that bring him glory. But to those parts of us that would rather be our own shepherds, that would rather be independent, you know, that kind of looks like it's a bit arrogant. It looks like God's out for his own agenda, almost detached and uncaring about us. But what this verse is saying is that our, our holiness, our growing in faith, is a massive priority for God. Our contentment in being obedient sheep who flourish in becoming the people we were meant to be is, is his life's work, it's what he died for, to win for himself a holy people, as we say in the communion service. That we would be a people that would hold out the gospel, that, that hold out his way of doing things as the way of contentment for not just us, for the whole world. People that would live sacrificial lives of love, that others around us might experience God's hope and healing. We may well be afraid of the future for a whole load of reasons, but we can be content in the present because when we follow Jesus, his number one desire is to lead us in right paths for his own name's sake, that the world would see him in all his glory. But that doesn't mean it's gonna be plain sailing because we all face frightening situations. The third worry. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, perhaps the greatest threat to contentment is just plain old fear. Fear in the darkest valley. But yet, as so many of us know, that is exactly the place where we find the deepest intimacy with God. It's at this point in the psalm that the psalmist moves from talking about God to talking to God, from saying, he leads me, he guides me, to you are with me. And how is it that this intimacy can bring contentment when we're going through the worst things in life? It's because the shepherd will never lead the sheep anywhere he himself has not already been. Going back to that book I was reading, uh, preparing for this sermon, The Eyes of a Shepherd on Psalm 23. The, the author talks about David as a shepherd with his sheep. And he says, Never did he take his flock where he had not already been before. Always he had gone ahead to look over the country with care. All the dangers of rampaging rivers in flood, avalanches, rock slides, poisonous plants, the ravages of predators that raid the flock, or the awesome storms of sleet and hail and snow, they were familiar to him. He handled his sheep and managed them with care under all these adverse conditions. Nothing took him by surprise. He was fully prepared to safeguard his flock and tend them with skill under every circumstance. Or as the writer to the Hebrews puts it, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he didn't sin. He was tempted to fear Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, tempted to fear the pain of the cross and death, and yet he still went through with it and came out the other side. 
So we have one who is more than able to lead us through the darkest circumstances of life because he's been there before. The world's approach to contentment is to distract us when we're going through the valley. Look at the mountain peaks, look how glorious they are. Wouldn't life be wonderful and amazing if we were up there? Tries to distract us by offering us more products or content or possibilities of what house we could live in or car we could drive or gadgets we could own or things we could watch on telly or experiences we could have. But none of those actually help you get through the valley. It just ends up you get stuck there and it offers you a false sense of escape. But the good shepherd's approach is to go ahead of you in the valley before coming back to take you through. There can be contentment in the valley because the one who knows the valley and how to get through it is the one who's leading us. He's got his rod in one hand to ward off enemies. He's got his staff in the other to keep us on the right track so that we can get through the valley and out the other side. The temptation when we go through difficulty or face anguish is to bury our heads in the sand. And yet we know only too well today with the prevalence of mental ill health that the best way to deal with difficulty is to go through it. And that having gone through it, we come out far more balanced and contented than if we decide to try and stop or wander off in the middle of it. Even in the valley, there is contentment in the intimate leading of the good shepherd. And there is contentment when we come out the other side, whether that's in an illness healed, a conflict resolved, a situation turned around, or even going all the way through the valley of death itself and into an eternity of contentment with Jesus. And finally, worry about our adversaries. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. There are so many adversaries, aren't there, that try and steal our contentment. The spiritual adversaries of of temptation, lust, greed, our own fleshly desires for more comfort or status or power. And then perhaps there are people who would try and oppose us because of our faith or undermine us or, or have a dig at what we believe. But there can be contentment in the face of all these because whoever they are, they are nothing compared to God. The image in the, in the psalm here moves from shepherd to God being our host, a host who makes us the guest of honor, right in the face of those that might come against us. We're given this place of honor at the head of the table. This banquet is laid out for us, a party given for us, and then our heads are anointed with oil as they would have been when the psalmist was writing so that we looked our best, we were glowing and and smelt amazing. And our cups are overflowing from the generosity of the host who who has such a, a loving attitude towards us and generous attitude towards us and wants to show everyone what we mean to him all right in front of those who would try and shame us or bring us down. In the face of enemies that might try to persuade us that God isn't good or, or kind or even real. Or perhaps in the face of those that tried to persuade us that we're not good enough, that we're failures, that we aren't clever enough or wealthy enough or important enough. In the face of all these enemies, whether people or lies of the devil, God throws a party and says, this one's mine, they're my guest of honor, they're my friend. The key to contentment when we're feeling under attack is being reminded of whose we are and what his attitude is toward us. He thinks we're great. Not because of anything we've done, but because he loves us as his children. It won't surprise you to hear that I think my three-month-old son is one of the best people in the whole wide world and he's done nothing to deserve it. (laughs) He does pretty much nothing all day apart from eat, sleep, feed, uh, and be winded and then throw it all up again. And yet I marvel at him 
I think he's fantastic, and I can't wait when he's older to throw a party for him with all his friends from school, even perhaps those that might have given him a hard time. And my hope for him, as it is for me as a child of God, is that in finding my love, my security in the love of the Father and my delight and my confidence in him, I might be secure enough to love my enemies and totally undermine their attack, turning it to good and seeking to return whatever efforts they might have with blessing. A kind word or the offer of a cup of tea for the colleague who might give us a hard time. Quick forgiveness for the family member that's winding us up again a handshake or a hug for the person with whom we got into an argument, maybe even at church. In the face of my enemies, when my buttons are pressed, my insecurities flare up, I pray that I would know that I belong to God, that he, his attitude towards me is one of throwing a banquet, and therefore no one can stand against me. And because he loves me and delights over me and is generous towards me, I can be generous and a blessing even to those that would try and attack me. And I can stand firm when temptations come my way. The world would have us believe that it's incredibly generous, that we can have whatever we want from the ridiculous array of things and experiences that are now on offer. And what I love so much about this psalm, and particularly where it ends, is that however generous the world might appear to be, it can never outgive God. It's like the psalmist's heart here is bursting as he reflects on how much God wants to give to help us to be content. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of God forever. God is willing to persevere with following us as his sheep, seeking us out when we wander off, bringing us back to right relationship with him and his people. No matter what the situation, the psalmist has a truth to keep us and our focus on Jesus and contentment in him. When we're lacking and in need or feeling tempted to want more than we need, he's our shepherd who knows our needs and provides. He's the one that can lead us to green pastures and quiet waters. When we're unsure of the future, he's the one that's able to lead us and guide us in the right paths for his name's sake. When we're afraid and facing death, he's gone ahead of us and knows what's coming, and he's got his rod and his staff to lead us through the darkest valley and out the other side. When we feel under attack, he throws a banquet in the face of all of our enemies and said, this one's my child, whom I love. So why don't we end now by praying that psalm again and asking the Lord to help those things be true for our hearts that we might find contentment in him. So let's pray together. (coughs) Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our shepherd and that with you we lack nothing. Help us where we want more than we need. Help us to be content. Help us to wait on you, to lie down in green pastures, to receive the rest that you want to give, to drink from the quiet waters, and to allow you to refresh our souls. Thank you that you are more than able to guide us in the right paths for your name's sake. Help us to trust your leading when we're unsure about the future. And thank you that even in the darkest valley, we need fear no evil, for you're with us. Your rod to protect us, your staff to lead us, you comfort us. And you are able to lead us through and out the other side. Thank you that in the presence of any enemies, your attitude towards us is one of wanting to throw a party 
prepare a table, anoint our head with oil, fill our cup to overflow. Help us to find such security in you and your love towards us that we would only be able to bless those around us who would come against us. And Lord, thank you that your goodness and your love follows us all the days of our lives and that we will dwell with you in heaven forever.